Hi, this is Lucy Weston, and welcome to Chick Flick Chat. You are about to listen to a show that I previously recorded on another platform, and there are many pointers to other websites, but as of now, you'll only find us uh, at the appropriate podcast locations and www.chickflickchat.com. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy. Okay, I have a lot to talk about with this film. Uh, I went, I haven't done a chick flick chat in a while because I saw a lot of films over the winter and I just, nothing was speaking to me this way that I thought, oh, I really want to do that. I want to cover it. And sometimes it just said a film has to talk to you. Well, I saw the advertisements for this and I thought, oh, this looks great. The costumes, it seems like it's going to be very exciting and, 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 you know, edge of your seat kind of a thriller. Well, it was really none of that, uh, but I don't want to bash it, and I don't want you to – I want you to stay with me for this because there's a lot to talk about. The thing is the movie has some really nice value to it. I think that it didn't quite get to the full value of what it could have been, and uh, I'll, well, I'm going to talk about you know why I think that uh, – to just tell you this up front, there's, there's, this is the spoiler alert, you know, from, from, from hell because I can't not talk about everything that happens in this film and then discuss the, the, you know, the primary things and questions and, uh, you know, my response to things and what I think you might think too. Um, okay. The opening scene, which, you know, is often very important in a film, and I think in this film, Sofia Coppola really opens the scene with something that is sort of, we see it throughout the entire piece. And it's the tops of these trees, and I think they're the cypress trees. We know that it's 1864 in Virginia, three years into the Civil War, and as you're seeing the trees, she's, she comes from a tight shot, and it gets wider and wider to this expanse of this intertwining cypress. It's quite beautiful, and this little girl's walking down the path by herself, and she's singing, and, and the, the trees are woven. They're woven by nature. And everything throughout this movie, and I'm going to return to this a few times, is backlit. So if you haven't seen this film and you're watching it for the first time after hearing this chick flick chat, pay attention to that. There's something in the whole idea that everything is backlit. Uh, We'll come back to that a little bit. So this little girl who's walking down the road comes upon uh, Corporal John McBurney, and he's sort of hiding in the woods, or he's he's lame at this point because he's got um, uh, bullets in his leg. And she finds him while she's picking mushrooms, and she helps him back to what is this seminary for girls. And and they're, the whole time that the beginning of the movie is going on and throughout the film, way in the background for sound, you're hearing this like boom, boom, boom. And at first... It wasn't clear as to what it was to me. And then I realized, oh, it's like the cannonballs. It's the war. It's always around them. It's in the distance. Um, so we see the seminary, and it's sort of like, a, a you know, from Gone with the Wind, a Tara-type Georgian mansion and with the columns, and they have this fancy gate fence around it. 
and she brings him in. She helps him in. He falls down, and all the women come out, and the main characters, we see everybody sort of at once, and they decide whether what they're going to do with him, and they know that he's a Yankee, and they're having sort of like a little kibitzing session, and one girl who's played by Elle Fanning, Alicia, says, you know, the Yankees, I hear, are all rapists. So there's like stereotyping going on about what they heard, and they also know that they're supposed to turn him over to the Confederate army, you know, as a traitor. And the girl who finds him in the woods says, "But you know, we isn't it the you know the Christian thing? There's something in we can't we can't just turn him over while he's already dying, and we're going to mend him and fix him, and then we'll turn him over so they can kill him." <laughs> And I'm not kidding. That's sort of the reasoning. That's what's going on here. Uh, so after the speculation, they bring him in, you know, beyond the gate, into the house, up on the porch. And that's all. Everything in the beginning is foreshadowing for the end. It sort of comes full circle. So they carry him in. All the girls get around him and, you know, by his arms and his legs. And they get him on a table. Uh, and there's, again, interesting use of light where everything's very dark in the house. But it's all backlit by what is supposed to be the sunshine coming in through the windows and uh it's sort of that feeling of you're either inside or you're outside and that comes around again towards you know throughout the film um so nicole kidman decides she's the headmistress miss martha and she's going to extract the bullets from his leg and she ends up you know giving him a uh a sponge bath and cleaning his body and she's quite affected by it and you know it's very prim and proper we see that they're they're following these this very uh, you know it's 1864 but even in that time I think this was even over the top in terms of their mores and then being buttoned up and it's just they're trying to maintain a certain fabric of their lives while this war is going on and they're in this house surrounded by this gate. Uh, so one of the things that happens early on is the Confederates are coming by and Miss Martha runs out to the gate and they have a load of other traitors and captives, you know, prisoners from the north. Uh, and she asks one of the Confederates for cartridges for her gun. And so she, we see that she's always preparing. She's thinking ahead what could happen because now she has this man in the house. So we get, again, foreshadowing. We see them praying at night. They have, uh, you know, there's all kinds of um, candlelight going on all the time because there's no electric. And it's very lovely, but it is a very dark film, again, with the lighting. And it's it gets lighter as they become more aware of him in the house. Uh, so we see the, the house itself is overgrown in the gardening and the trees. And he starts pretty much from the time he wakes up kind of convincing them that they need him there. And he says, you know, that there's no man to do the heavy lifting. And uh, it, it suddenly the fact that there's a man in the house, these women and young young women and almost girls too, start acting a little differently. And they're at breakfast and they're all spruced up and they're wearing jewelry that they haven't worn. And they their, their formality it gets increased. Like when Nicole Kidman comes in, she actually curtsies to him. And there's something about like they're on their best behavior, but it's heightened. Uh, and she has a discussion with him and she says, and, you know, he says something about who he is. And she says, oh, no, you're an unwelcome visitor. And she's hard on him. She's got this hard exterior. And he says to her point blank, 
you can trust me in your place, which is never a good thing. You know, he's the rooster in the hen house. So it's like, uh oh, we know where this is going. So it's kind of, you know, they gave it up pretty quickly in the film. Uh, so Miss Alicia, played by Elle Fanning, is very pretty. She's got this long hair. She's the, uh, I guess, um, teenager of all the girls. And and she was the most skeptical of him and kept her distance at first and afraid of the Yankee. But at the same time, she's also the most curious about him. Uh, and she starts to ingratiate herself. And then Kirsten Dunst's character, Edwina, he starts flirting with her. And he's you see him blatantly working her, working her by saying that they're the same kind of person, the independent sort. And he's giving her compliments about how lovely she is from the first time he saw her. And then they have this conversation and he says, if you could have anything, what would it be? And it's it's not so much what the answer is, but what the what we're seeing is this digging, this kind of connecting, working them. He's very observant. He's watching them and he's working each one individually uh like a predator in a way and or not in a way like a predator um so she starts to respond to this meaning edwina and she says oh my my, you know uh my father can help you he's in richmond and you know so offering favors and she does they don't really know him they're just he's this guy in you know in the house so um all right so they have their evening prayers, and they're starting to pray for him. And one night, Miss Alicia asked to leave the room, I suppose, to use the facilities. And then instead of going wherever she was supposed to go, she ends up, of course, in his room. Now, he's still on his back, and he's still injured, and he's nursing this leg. And she, while he's sleeping, she kisses him on the lips. And to me, this was a reverse sleeping beauty move where, you know, they're being awakened by him and he opens his eyes and then she gets up and she runs away but they're becoming these women are becoming aware of themselves more so because of his presence and life is going on while he's there and he's mending and we see french lessons and they're learning to sew and they're and and they're yeah, i guess they're dancing and they're and they're gardening and they're doing their typical daily routine it's just everything seems very pristine and clean, and they're in these beautiful costumes. And uh, it's just, it's very, the costumes are very virginal, and they're just, I have to say, they really were, are very, very lovely. And the, they're up to the, just the whole period piece of the costumes, and they all look beautiful, and uh, it's very formal. So he gives a button off of his uniform to one of the girls, and we see her put it in like a little... A secret box and he tells another one that she's his favorite but it's a secret and the conversation like all these girls are you know they're all thinking they're special and you see them kind of uh, standing up straighter and feeling good about themselves so I think in that the direction that Sofia Coppola it was it was minor but it was important that women you know start to respond to the affections of a man and the the they have a dinner and it's just the women at the table he's still in the room healing and they start to do something which i thought was really interesting in terms of the dialogue and i i want to add something about the dialogue in a second but in terms of the dialogue i thought this was a really uh telling scene about how women 
in life, and remember, Chick Flick Chat is a lot about you know roles for women and, and women's roles and how it's reflected in, for, on film from real life. And in, in real life, women often put what they see or, or seem to see or want to see on a man. And they start to say like, oh, well, he seems so nice and he seems this and he seems, and, and this is what they're saying in the film, you know, that he's, well, he seems like he's, you know, whatever they're, I can't remember the exact uh, adjectives they were using, but it doesn't matter. It's all very positive, but he hasn't shown them any of that. It's all what they're seeing, what they're putting on him, what they want to see. And that brief scene, I thought, really was interesting in terms of the dynamic of women seeing things that sometimes aren't there. Because really, in fact, he is a traitor from from the Army, the Yankees, and he's injured. They know nothing about him. And what are they, he's got no job, he's got no place to go, he's a future prisoner, or, and it's, it's like, well, wait a minute, you're starting to like in, in, engender some endearing qualities that he hasn't shown you. He's been laying on a couch healing. So where are they getting this from? But it's what women do many times, and, you know, I've done it. I think if you're listening and you're a woman, you know you've done it. So uh, they're putting their ideas on him, and they see what they want to see. And he's very, very far from what you would normally think of in a Southern film or so, in, of that time period as a suitable gentleman caller. He's none of that. Um, anyway, so they, they have another night of evening prayers, and they start entertaining him. So they're singing, and they're playing music, and they're they're bringing the music to him, and it becomes this sort of like they're courting him in a way, and he's really sort of just working them doing not a whole heck of a lot of anything, um, and they're, they're falling for it. And this is where I want to just turn to uh, oh something about the dialogue. The dialogue throughout the film, it's very good. Sofia Coppola wrote the screenplay, but I do think it could have been a little bit more in-depth. There were things that I thought, oh, I wanted to see more, and maybe that was part of the editing I wanted to hear more. This film is an adaptation off of a book from like 1966 by Thomas Cullinan. And I just think that, I don't know, there was something about some of the dialogue and scenes where I was like, that's it? That's the big, and and maybe that was what she was trying to portray that in those times you didn't have a lot of discussion with a, you know, female to male, especially without like a chaperone. I don't know. I just felt like there could have been a little bit more in-depth conversation happening here uh, to move the story along. It does move a bit slowly up until a certain point, and then it goes hog wild crazy. I don't, I will get to that. Okay. So uh, they, they start to do things that they wouldn't normally do. So for instance, one night, some of the uh, cavalry comes by, and they, they knock on the door. Nicole Kidman puts them in the kitchen for something to eat, and she answers the door with a gun. She never says, they're checking, the, the army is checking on these women, never says, we have a traitor in the other room. They hide him. So they start to go against their own rules, and they're bending the rules, and he's observing all of this, and that's giving him power over them. They just don't realize it yet, because they think they're, they're making up whatever reasons this this Christian kindness and, you know, the properness of when they want him around, they all have their own agenda. Everybody has an agenda. Um, I, I, when I was getting prepared for this, I looked up the word beguiled and, you know, I knew that it meant like to charm or enchant, 
But what was interesting to me when I looked at all the definitions, that the second definition of it is to help time pass pleasantly. And I thought, well, isn't this, I was, because when I came out of the theater, I thought, well, who was the beguiled? Were they the beguiled or was he the beguiled? And what I realized was he was beguiling them, you know, charming them, enchanting them. And that was, that worked both ways. But also they were the beguilers in terms of helping the time pass pleasantly for him. So there was some nice dynamic there with the title that I didn't get initially, and I hope my sharing it with you, you'll go, ah, that's a good point, Lucy. <laughs> so anyway, um, let me look at my notes here. Okay, so uh, come and they visit, and she has them in the kitchen. She ends up coming back to the room, and she makes, Nicole Kidman makes this statement as that one of the, 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 the soldiers said, there's nothing more frightening than a startled woman with a gun. And it's, she says it very proudly, and he picks up on that, and over a glass of brandy, he tells her how brave he thinks she is, and then she reveals to him that she had somebody before the war, and they've all lost things. So they're opening up to him, and he's, you know, and now he's better, and he's up on this cane or the crutches, and he starts doing manly work. He's gardening. He's cutting trees. He's sharpening axes. He's cutting down wood. We see a spider web in through all of this. And then he says to one of the other girls, you're my best friend in the whole house. You know, so it's like sleazy, but it's you, they don't all know it because they're keep and they're starting to infight over him. Um, ultimately, Nicole Kidman gives him a week to leave. And this is where things start to go. He's feeling a lot better. He doesn't want to leave. And they have an evening again of the singing and the, you know, the praying. And, and he says to Edwina, Kristen Dunst's character, you know, I love you. And, you know, she, she responds and then he says, I, I, you know, can I come to your room tonight? And at this point, point, uh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. They do have like a little dinner party and they're all dressed up in their finest and they're in satin and the, it's just beautiful. The china's out and they talk about apple pie that that one of the girls made and they all get in on it. Well, it's my recipe. Well, I like apple pie. Oh, you like apple pie. And it's very, it's kind of pathetic, but it is what women do sometimes. I'm sorry to say it. Like they fight over a man and they're all trying to impress him. So that night when they have that, that's the night that they have and he said the the little like after dinner party musical time and they he says he wants to come to Edwina's room and and she she sort of says yes we don't really see her say yes but there's an indication that she's expecting him and the flirting is going on with all of the girls and they're sneaking like furtive glances at him and then Elle Fanning's character says I think the music's romantic and you know they did these little comments and so and we see an almost kiss between Nicole Kidman and him. So they all have like dynamics that they're they're obviously interested in him and they want his attention. And he, you don't know where he is on all of this. And then we it cuts to Edwina getting ready and she's got like a pinoir set and she's putting on perfume and she's waiting on her bed for him. And she hears a noise in the hall and she comes out and this is the big big scene you see in on TV. And she opens up Alicia's door, who's Elle Fanning, and you see him on the bed with Alicia. And then she gets upset. He comes out and tries to do the, oh, no, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. Let me explain. You know, like, oh, I just happened to open the wrong door, but get in bed with the wrong woman. And there's a, a bit of a tussle, and he goes down the stairs, and his leg gets more or rebroken, and now the bone is, like, sticking out. 
And at this point, Nicole Kidman, and we, you know, he accuses her ultimately of doing it because he rejected her. We don't know really what her motivation is. And again, that goes somewhat to the dialogue and the direction. Uh, or was she just trying to save his life? But she turns and she says, after assessing his wound, Edwina, bring me the anatomy book, which is never a good thing. You never want to hear somebody say, bring me the anatomy book. So it's like, oh boy. So, okay, I'm going to speed this up. He ends up being, his leg is amputated. They cut his leg off and they bury it in the yard. And then he is like a wild, you don't see that, interestingly enough. And again, it's foreshadowing to the end. You see from the outside of the gate, so you're either inside or you're out, and through the gates to the house, and all you hear is this screaming and yelling, and, and he sound, you don't know that it's a human. It actually could be an ape or something screaming. Um, and he starts drinking a lot for the pain, and his behavior just goes from bad to worse. He's, you know, he shoots down his chandelier, and he's threatening them, and he tells them things are going to change in this house, and it's all the cliche things, you know, and they're all afraid of him, and they're bunched up together in this room, and after he has this violent episode in front of them, Edwina rushes after him, and this is what I said earlier, that things happen, it goes kind of off the rails here. She runs into the room, and they have mad, passionate kind of violent sex and you're not really sure in her motivation is is she doing it because this is her last chance with him she wants to prove herself and separate herself and she's going to accept his violent behavior or is she doing it to calm him down and that was so there was some things here that I wasn't sure what was happening and I've thought about it and I just I don't know here this is that's where the direction got a little cloudy um so at the same time, all the rest of the women, the girls and, and Nicole Kidman, are sitting there contemplating how they're going to get rid of him, and they decide to poison him with mushrooms, which they do at another dinner party, and he dies in front of them. So I, it's, it goes on from there, and then he, they bring him outside, and we see them sewing him up in a shroud. And, and you know, she says, like, make sure your stitches are straight, which was said earlier, and it's very interesting because, again, it's sort of that spider web interwoven image of where there's, you know, spiders, while the web has a, like, you know, many, many angles to it, every one of the lines are typically straight. And that was what she kept, they kept saying with her sewing, straight lines, straight lines, straight lines. And it's so they, that I thought was, in, okay, there were like little subtle things that Sofia Coppola did a great job with here. And they carry him out just the way they carried him in at the beginning. This time they leave him outside the gate. They close the gates. And the, the final shot pretty much is him in front of the gates, the gates and all the women out on that beautiful porch sitting there. But what you realize, again, you're either in or you're out. You're on the inside or you're on the outside. And what you really realize is that they are prisoners of war just like everything that's going around them, on around them. And they're trapped in their own little world with behind these gates where they, I guess they feel safe, but they're really not because they brought in the enemy, but the enemy could come in at any time. And so they're the victims as well, even though they're also the aggressors. So it's sort of a, it's a nice, that I thought was interesting. Like, okay, so they seemed all sweet and proper, but they were able to survive and, and take care of themselves. And they used their own 
feminine wiles, so to speak, because they, they sautéed the mushrooms in wine and butter, and he loved to eat the mushrooms, and they killed him. So they used what they knew. Uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Okay, so, okay. I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the main themes here. There's a lot of jealousy, a lot of competition. I kind of mentioned that. And you you see this bunch of women, regardless of their age, wanting to be loved and changing who they are. And I thought that was all very good in terms of the directing and the writing. Uh, and then you don't know why. I mean, it really, his leg was bad. Did he need it amputated? She's not a doctor. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe she did do it as a little bit of like, you know, get even. There's, it's, there's no way to say it's what you think it is, you know, after you view the film. Um, but it's an interesting dynamic on the fact that for so long and continues to be that uh, desirability is based on youth because he picked the younger, appropriately aged girl sort of for him, even though. She was probably 15, and he's – I don't know how old Colin Farrell is, but I'm, I suppose he was playing like 30. Um, so and, – and also the forgetting of the rules and abandon, abandoning their own boundaries for a man. Uh, and he preys on the vulnerability and how women open themselves up to that. So – and on their innocence, you know. Uh, so those are a couple of main themes I thought were interesting in this film and worth seeing for those uh, points. The costumes, like I said, gorgeous, just and dainty, and they they just oh, just lovely. The sound is interesting overall, with that bombing constantly in the background. It does get closer at some point, and then after they get rid of him, it goes away again. So they're keeping the sound at bay, uh, and then the lighting does get brighter as they become more ingratiated with him, and then it kind of goes back to that backlighting again like so that as if the you know the the light is at the end of the tunnel or there's sunshine over the mountain uh at some point there'll be light again you know during this war uh i i think overall it's worth watching although there are things like you know i've just discussed it's like uh, okay i'm not but it's certainly i i think it totally qualifies for the chick flick chat which is why i'm discussing it and i think you might too um the casting i thought the casting was all very good Except for the Nicole Kidman, and I love Nicole Kidman. She's one of my favorite actresses. I didn't think that she was enough of a school marm, quote-unquote, to be the headmistress and for him not to be attracted to her. I thought it worked against the story. She did a wonderful job, but I just thought the way that she looks and she is and she's so poised, I just thought, oh, okay, you needed somebody who was less of all of that for us to understand why he wasn't attracted to her um, and, you know, maybe to understand her motivation more. So that was the only thing with the casting, and he, and he did a good job. So overall, that's my take on The Beguiled. I certainly hope you've enjoyed this chick flick chat. i got to tell you, I really enjoyed this, uh, preparing for this and then talking to you about it. And I certainly thank you, as always, for listening. And that's a wrap. This is Lucy Weston. Thank you so much for listening to this updated podcast of Chick Flick Chat. And you can always find me at betterbrighteraseasier.com, home of Rumigator, the natural neutralizer. Chat with you next time. Bye for now.